make your hour of thrive time begins now with your host Jay Maney on the Jay Maney Talk Show. Good day, everyone, and welcome once again to the Jay Maney Talk Show. This is Jay Maney, and you have now entered your hour of Thrive Time. I want to welcome all of you that are listening to our show today for the very first time. You're going to quickly realize that your hour invested today is going to yield tremendous returns in terms of knowledge and empowerment and all the Thrive-minded information you need to get to the next level. So I appreciate you visiting the show today. And for our returning listeners, thank you for continuing to support this program. We keep rocking it week after week as we inch close to our two-year anniversary here, our 100th episode on radio broad quality radio broadcasting. And today's going to be no different, my friends. By the way, if you've not had a chance to check out my prior episodes, then you need to go visit my show site at the jmamietalkshow.com. There you'll find an archive, a library of thrive-minded contact from all of our incredible guests, our unbelievable business spotlights and national sponsor spotlights who've poured great value onto the show. And today is going to be no different, my friends. We've got a jam-packed show today. One, We've got a lot to go, folks. Our first guest today is John Sarasani. John is not only the founder of Glencrest Capital, a venture capitalist firm, but over the course of his career, he's successfully launched businesses in the insurance in event planning and real estate and food industries. Uh, and now John is actually doing incredible collaborative work with some big names, Aaron Rodgers being one of them. But John's background as a scholarship football player, he was a starting tight end at the University of Notre Dame and Northwestern University as well. John was also featured as the 40 under 40. He was on the 40 under 40 list in Crane's business at the age of 27. That has a lot to say about his ability to get things done at that early of an age to be on that list. This is pretty impressive. And now John does a lot of work, a lot of philanthropic work as well. I, I appreciate that he also is lending his heart to those areas. And we're going to chat a little bit about that. But I'm excited because he is here to share with us his wisdom. We're going to talk about the emotional roller coaster of being an entrepreneur and all the great things that he's got to offer. So, John, appreciate being on the show, brother. Thanks for having me, Jay. I'm excited to be here. John, we've got a lot to unwrap here. You, you've got quite a resume. And, uh, I mean, I, I think you're in your early 40s, brother, right? So you, you've got a tremendous resume that, uh, yeah, most people, you know, they get to 60 and 70 and they have a great life. But uh, you've lived like two lives, man, if not three. <laughs> right? Sleep when you're dead, man. That's it, brother. That's it. So we're going to chat about that. But I, I know that at a young age, you achieve more than most people do by the time they're 27. Again, 40 under 40 cranes business list. And you were also the area VP uh, for the insurance giant, uh, Arthur Gallagher, while you were still in your 20s. So I want to tackle that first because our listening audience, brothers, is is demographically expanded through young folks, old folks, seasoned folks, veterans, novices, ninjas, masters, mascots, whiners, and winners. We've got all sorts of people listening to the show from around the, around the world. But there's something to be said about a young person who graduates college, as you did, and within a few years, a VP at a major insurance firm, and then obviously being... Uh, 40 under 40 on a crane's business list. What did you do early on when you got out of college that you hit the ground running so hard that you achieved so much at such a young age? Well, I appreciate that. You know, at Arthur J. Gallagher, getting getting to that title was really just a function of my production. I was bringing in business, bringing in clients, and it didn't really have anything to do with your tenure or how long you've been at the organization. Now, granted, 
most of the folks with titles like that were probably twice my age, if not mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I was able to get there and achieve that. And, you know, that's something that they do in corporate America, Jay. I, you know, I decided to leave that and, and, and be, uh, be an entrepreneur. But, but one of the epiphanies I had back then was those big titles really are, are to make you feel good and, you know, make you, make you feel important and not leave that organization. Um, so I was very happy with that title, very proud of that title. Glad you're bringing it up. But it was also an epiphany I had that, hey, man, titles don't mean a whole lot, bro. Like, mm-hmm. if you can go out and do this stuff on your own, uh, go, go out and do it on your own. And that's eventually what I did. So you are sitting pretty, right? I, I, I mean, listen, Arthur Gallagher is a huge national. I'm, I'm from the financial yeah. services. Well, I'm very familiar with Gallagher. Sure. And uh, and here you go. You're, you're right. Title means nothing. You earned the title because the production is what got you the title. I totally yeah. agree with that. But then I, all of a sudden, you're you're doing all right. I mean, you've got a great path ahead of you. Who knows how far you would have stayed? Uh, how far you would have gone if you stayed there? But then you got hit with the entrepreneurial bug. When did that entrepreneurial bug first uh, strike you? Well, you know, I always had it in me, but but in this context, it was after being at, you know, I was so happy to go get that job at Arthur J. Gallagher. I was so, I, I was at an insurance wholesaler prior to that, came over to Gallagher, and they were definitely the big dogs. Oh, wow, look at me. I work at Gallagher, and my parents were very proud of me. You know, I graduated from Northwestern University, and I'm getting a job at, like that in corporate America, and I started to earn that big title and everything else. Um, but, you know, after being there for a little while and they were doing a lot of things right over there and a lot of, you know, big corporations are, are obviously doing a number of things right. But, but for me, it was kind of like the Wizard of Oz. Like, you know, let's, let's, let's peel back that curtain a little bit. What, what's really going on here? And, yeah, I was a part of this big entity, but, you know, I had the ability to bring those same resources to the table for our clients and the same expertise for the clients without being at a big organization. You know, we, we would talk a lot about, well, we got, you know, tens of thousands of employees and we have all these offices located all over the world and et cetera, et cetera. And that was a great organization to be a part of. But at the end of the day, for that client, that client sitting across the table from, from me, there was me and maybe three other people actually touching that account. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it didn't matter that we had 100 years of experience. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I had four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, I, so I really just took those principles and um, applied them to, to my own company. And I, I, I saw the path to do that. The unknown at the time, Jay, which um, I think any entrepreneur um, faces is not knowing if the client themselves are going to, uh, the client him, him or herself is going to buy into, into what you're saying, right. because especially, the, especially the kind of clients I was going after, I was going after that middle market segment and they want, you know, they want that big name on the mm-hmm. business card because that decision maker, gosh, he, he doesn't want to get fired for going and hiring some little guy. You go hire Gallagher or Aon or someone like that. Yeah. And they screw up. You're probably not getting fired, but you go hire, you know, John Sarasani and this company, Northwest Compre- comprehensive, nobody ever heard of uh your neck might be on the choppy block so mm-hmm. i had to i had to convince them that i would not screw up so at some point you have to develop a sense of strong faith in yourself and your ability and i think that's where a lot of people fall short you know they have these big entrepreneurial dreams that they're frustrated where they're at they're not happy with the trajectory of where they're heading they, they maybe have a great idea or maybe have an urge to do something independently or entrepreneurially but they never pull the trigger um, they don't have enough faith in themselves when you face that and I, I'm, we're, we've all been there. When you've faced that, that at that particular time, obviously it's paid off. But what was going through your mind as you were taking this leap of faith and, and trying to figure out a way to, to give yourself a name that people could trust? Great question. So for me, 
I decided I'm going to compete against the big boys because I, I don't want to go down market and start working with a lot of people in that industry will just start working on much smaller accounts. Mm-hmm. I don't want, I don't want to do that. I, I knew I was capable of working on these bigger, bigger accounts. So for me, I decided to develop a niche within that segment and it was private higher education institution. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The Gallagher's and the Aeons of the world go after those types of clients, but they're going after like, you know, Harvard, Northwestern University. University, Duke University. Well, what about those smaller guys, man? What about the Milliken University or the Abilene Christian? Mm-hmm. What about those small, what about those smaller accounts? Why why can't we bring the same level of expertise and service specific to higher education downstream to, to, to those accounts, which by the way, are really nice accounts for, for any um mm-hmm. anybody anybody in that industry. Mm-hmm. So I do, so I developed a value proposition specific for that segment, which was really a white space at the time. And I use that niche focus to um, to go out there and compete against people like my former employer and uh, bigger. Yeah, and I think part of what this uh, part of the success you had was not only having the faith, but also the disciplines that it requires to be an entrepreneur. And I think that's the other area where people fall short. They take that leap of faith, but then they lack the discipline in order to uh, to stay focused long enough to see it work and do all the right things long enough to see it work and gain uh, and gain more, what I call entrepreneurial momentum. So listen, you played D1. I played D2 football. Um, And and I know that I was a running back, uh, and I was a starting running back. Um, I didn't have any aspirations going to the NFL. I mean, I I, I knew where I was at, but you did, right? You you had aspirations until you got hurt, and then you said, okay, what else can I do? But there's some disciplines that you developed on the football field, because you have to, right? So what are those disciplines that you develop on the football field that also helped you, that sort of parlayed over into the disciplines of, of being an entrepreneur? You know, it's, it's it's the work ethic, which probably seems very, very obviously basic and an and obvious answer to that. But I'll put it into perspective, man. Mm-hmm. You know, you start you start working and you, you come out of college. You had been playing football in college. And I don't care what level. If you played college football, you developed a work ethic. And you know what it means to show up on time. Mm-hmm. You know what it means to make those sacrifices. Okay. And it wasn't very long in the workforce, in, in the industry, that, you know, I started to notice not everybody had that same mindset. Um, especially in a sales department. I, I was lucky enough to, to, to work in a sales office, but I'm around people that, hey, it's 4.30 p.m. on a Friday. No one's here. Mm-hmm. I, was coming in on Saturday, I was coming in on Saturdays and Sundays. It's, you know, it's 8.15 in the morning, and I'm turning the lights on in the office, and I'm, I'm 22 years old, and everybody else is 40. What, what the hell's going on here? So it wasn't very long till I, till I realized that, um, that my mindset was a little bit different. I also was motivated. You know what I mean? I'm very competitive in nature, which also obviously came from football, but that could be, you know, the chicken or the egg thing. Maybe I was good at football because I had that competitive nature too. I, I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. but um, it, either way, it all translated to um, success in the workforce, most definitely. You know, one of the things I know that as, as a football player, um, you, you have to show up when no one else does. And you hit the nail on the head when you said at 4.30 on a Friday afternoon, it was like a ghost town. You could see the tumbleweeds down the road at those offices, oh, yeah. right? I mean, the tumbleweeds up and down right. the hallways. I experienced the same thing. Um, but, but quickly you find out that when, if you show up when no one else does, you'll get what no one else can, uh, has access to, right? You just got to show up when no one else does. And that's 90% of winning. I, I want to talk about the emotional roller coaster of this entrepreneurial lifestyle. You've talked about that before and I, and I want to start this conversation. We'll pick it up after the break, but how do you handle, or how have you handled that emotional roller coaster of this lifestyle? 
Gosh, man, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta roll with the punches. It's, it's so easy when you start a business, especially the type of industry I was in. Okay. Or uh, yeah, I wasn't in insurance, especially knowing you have that safety net behind you to say, you know what, screw this. I don't need to keep doing my company. I could just go get a job working for someone else and walk right into a, you know, six figure income or salary and blah, blah, blah. Um, you, you have to take it on the chin and stick with it because that upside is going to be much greater than anything you would get as an employee in corporate America. And I got to keep that focus, have to keep that mindset. Um, and then celebrate your wins, celebrate your wins. Don't focus on, on the losses, learn from the losses, but celebrate the wins and be, be proud of yourself. Take your team out, enjoy it, whether that be for a, a nice lunch or a beer, whatever the culture of your organization is, go do it and give each other some high fives after you get those victories. You know, that's wisdom. Celebrate the victories because the, when they do come, they, they, they deserve the, the emotion that, that, that will give you the, the energy for the next one. But don't dwell on the disappointments either, right? So celebrate the victories, but don't dwell on the disappointments because they'll rob you of any focus and any vision, any ideas, any innovation that can help you win on the other side. So brilliant advice, brother. Hey, when we come back after the break, I want to talk a little bit about Glenn Crest. I want to talk a little bit more about what are the traits and attributes that you look for when people are coming after you for the money. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we'll right. pick that up right after the break. Tired of the corporate grind? Have you ever considered owning your own business? This is Irving Chung. I'm the founder and CEO of Fran Guidance, and I can help you take your financial future into your own hands. There's a proven and profitable franchise business in nearly every category and budget. Contact me today for a free consultation at franguidance.com. That's F-R-A-N-G-U-I-D-A-N-C-E.com or call 214-908-9791. Are you struggling getting qualified leads from your sales prospecting efforts? Aptivio is the world's first all-in-one AI platform for sales pipeline growth. It detects hidden revenue opportunities and leads most likely to convert. It never gets old to watch our clients experience aha moments when they discover hidden revenue opportunities after setting up their go-to-market playbook in less than 30 minutes. Give it a try at aptive.io forward slash sign up. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Having a phenomenal conversation with John Sarasani. And we're going to pick up where we left off before the break, talking about entrepreneurs that are looking for capital. John runs Glencrest Global. It's a venture capitalist firm. And he's always looking to pour into those that have creative ideas. But it's not just about the creative ideas or the creative product. I know that John looks for people that have interesting traits or certain attributes about them that make him want to invest in them. So, John, let's talk about that. What are the traits or the attributes that impressed you the most before you give out the money? Well, I'll, I'll look for deals that I could bring something to the table in addition to capital. So whether it be um, whether it be my network, whether it be uh, my expertise in just running a company, I sold my company to a private equity-backed competitor. I learned the private equity side of things. Um, you know, worked there for five years, so I have. I have experience that I could bring to the table. So if there's an entrepreneur that has an idea that I think I could be of help in, what I'm looking for is uh, they all look for money and uh, everybody wants money, right? Mm -hmm. But um, if there's 
any kind of advice or consultation I could give them in addition to that that would be beneficial for their organization. And the traits of an entrepreneur that, that are going to matter there are ones that recognize that they're going to need help, especially first-time entrepreneurs. It's always so interesting to me if a first-time entrepreneur enters these rooms trying to raise money and they think that, you know, they know everything already. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in those situations quite often. So I want to see, you know, I won't go as far as saying the the word coachable, but I would say broad-minded. Okay, they're broad-minded enough to say, okay, shoot, I don't know everything. Wow, I would like someone like John on my team, not just for the couple hundred grand he might give me, but also I'm going to be able to lean on him as an early investor in my organization, potentially even as an advisor or board member if it made sense for him to to, – you know, kind of uh, 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 be a sounding board for me for advice as, as different um, issues pop up. If that entrepreneur doesn't see any value in that or don't doesn't think that there's a need for that, it's usually not a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes you'll come across, you know, some kind of idea or entrepreneur or maybe this person's sold companies in the past or built and sold companies in the past, and he might not need that advisement. Well, in those situations, I'll just look at the investment itself and uh, make a decision whether or not I want to participate. But, um, but in answering your question, the first part is, I think, uh, I think the most uh, relevant. Would you say that being humble is an attribute or, or, or trait that, that serves someone best, especially when they are looking for someone to partner up with them or not even partner up, just sort of invest in them? Is, is humility a good trait to have? Yeah, I think I, th- I think being humble is definitely um, something. And, and you know, here's the thing, man. If I'm going to get involved with an early stage uh, company, I want to like you. I'm not mm-hmm. doing that because you know what I mean. I, I've I don't need to put I don't need any of these investments really to work for my financial well being in the future. I'm I'm just fine. So I'm trying to do things that I want to be a part of with people I want to be working with, and humble is a characteristic being humble is a characteristic that's just likable in people everybody likes humble people mm-hmm. no one no one likes that big mouth right um so i i think that just kind of goes hand in hand with that I will, I will say with that though don't confuse that with passive if somebody's too passive and i don't see any aggressive traits in them to get the job done that would be a red flag as well so um, humility uh, versus passive, those are two different things, and uh, people need to remember that. You know, one of the things I know because I speak about it is in my sales course. I've got a, an award-winning sales course called Thrive Sales Mastery Course, and I talk about that as in the first module. I talk about being likable and how if you're going to get anywhere in terms of a sales experience or providing service to someone, and, and John, you know this because you've been in sales for a long time too, um, you, you have to be likable. And if you don't have that trait that, that it's just a natural, authentic uh, trait of, of being liked by someone, you're going to find it's an uphill battle just to try to get someone to trust you, to do business with you, to believe in you because they don't even like you or you're not likable. That's an important yeah. trait to have. In fact, you, you're working right now with some of these big-name individuals, Aaron Rodgers, I know you're doing some collaborative work with Aaron. You've got yep. some stuff with um, uh, Kevin Garn- uh, Barnett, right? Um, oh, Kevin Garnett. Kevin, uh, Kevin Garnett, Garnett, right? Um, yep. So th- these are guys that wouldn't associate with anyone unless they'd like them. 
Um, right. They just wouldn't do that. So that says a lot about you that you're trafficking with these high profile individuals and they're trusting you also, you know, to, to get involved with their projects. So that's a, the big, uh, a big, big deal. In fact, exactly with Aaron, I think there's an app that you guys are working on. Or is it with Kevin? Yeah, well, both actually. It's two, it's two separate projects, and, and you just nailed it. By the way, both of those guys are well into the nine figures net worth. And mm-hmm. if I'm throwing in say half a million dollars or whatever into into their companies, eh, they're not going to deal with a person that if they don't like them, they'll just they'll just fund it themselves if they mm-hmm. need to. Mm-hmm. They're, they're trying to bring in people that they a that they want to work with, and b that they could that could bring something to the table. You know what I mean? So not only that likability, but also just you know. What could this person offer the organization as an early investor where it might help it succeed down the road? Because even even guys like that know that they don't know everything. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so give, give that some perspective, right? So you, you got these guys that are worth what they're worth with careers like they've had in the NFL and the NBA, and, and they're smart enough to know that they don't know everything. So it's, it's always uh, funny to me that that first-time entrepreneur that's 28 years old trying to raise money for the first time knows everything. It's always uh, you know kind of comical, in fact. Um, but yeah, so Aaron, we're doing a company called OSDB, Online Sports Database, and it's um, some of your listeners might be familiar with the with the Hollywood uh, website IMDB, mm-hmm. which is a verification for Hollywood actors. You know, Jay, if you told me you were uh, a guest star on Friends back in 1997. I could go to IMDb right now and verify whether that's true or not. If uh, if uh, your producer told me he was also the producer on, you know, uh, Temptation Island in 2004, I, I could go I could go figure out if that's the case because it's right there and it's verified on, on IMDb. Um, w- what Aaron Rodgers is doing, along with his partners Ryan Rotman and Nate Raby are um, doing the exact same thing, but for the sports world, okay? So OSDB, Online Sports wow. Data. Yeah, and uh, it's awesome, man. I'm, the, I'm their first external partner, so it's the four of us, and uh, I got involved two years ago, um, and we're in the process of uh, raising additional capital now, so we have some other kind of A-list type of, of uh, athletes and celebrities now on board, but um, it's been a really cool experience, man, and watching this company start to grow and as soon as we do this next uh, Series A raise, we, um, you know, we expect uh, we expect this to become a household name in the next couple of years. Well, that's a fantastic and a creative, innovative idea, and it goes back to what we said earlier, right? It's it's finding value-based projects that that can serve the community, serve the world in a positive way, and that's this is, this app is actually going to do that. I love the idea, and in fact, let, let's let's focus on what projects or what businesses what industries would you say are the industries that are up and coming worthwhile exploring so if there's any investor any uh, entrepreneur out there that is wondering where do i go what's the hot industry in your yeah. observation in your research what what are those industries so there's two right now that I, I kind of try to keep it in the realm of uh things that i think are kind of fun or interesting so i'm sure there's things in you know maybe oil or other SaaS types of technologies that exist out there but but for me there's really two verticals in in um the, the kinds of things that i look look at and both of them are involving the legality at a federal level all right mm-hmm. so right now state by state sports gambling has become legal based on a Supreme Court decision a couple of years ago, all right, in New Jersey. They said that, okay, sports gambling, you know, I don't, and I don't, you're in Texas, I don't know where, in Illinois it's legal, state by state it differs. Mm-hmm. Well, 
everyone's kind of betting, you know, a little play on words there, betting mm-hmm. <laughs> on, uh, on this becoming legally federally, legal federally uh, over the next, you know, I don't even know, three to 10 years or whenever it actually happens. So there's a lot of sports gambling types of um, apps and websites being developed and uh, being introduced to the market to, um, you know, to, uh, to, you know, with that in mind, because once it goes federal, all the big dogs will start buying us little guys out. And that's a huge payday. And when I say big dogs, I'm talking about like the Comcast and Amazons of the world. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with the, the, the other, the other industry is the marijuana industry, which has been floating around there for a while, but there is a lot of talk about that becoming legally federally and uh, legal federally. And there's a lot of, a lot of talk about, or there's a lot of action right now on um, startup organizations positioning themselves for, for a buyout to a much uh, larger competitor that's uh, able to manage this federally because state by state, the license to, to, um, to grow marijuana are very, are very strict, restricted. And once it happens federally, the ones that actually hold those licenses um, should have a big payday from, from much larger competitors. You know, John, you've been a, a wealth of information. I can't let you go, but in our last minute, before I let you go, uh, what would you be? What would you say to the that uh, that entrepreneur who's looking to grab the attention uh, of a venture capitalist like yourself that can make them more attractive? In one minute, what can make them more attractive? I would say have have your all your ducks in a row before that first meeting. Mm-hmm. You get you get into the room with that venture capitalist, have something to talk about. And don't position yourself for a future meeting. We don't have time for future meetings. Mm. I mean, my inbox is full. Mm-hmm. Even while we're on the phone right now, I've probably got 10, new, 10 to 10 new emails. There needs to be something that, A, grabs my attention, something that, that, that makes me want to reply to that email. But now if you get that next step, if you're lucky enough to get past that step where you actually get a reply to that email, have something to st- say in that meeting and don't slow play. Have every duck in a row. And be ready, dressed to impress, and everything else that goes with it, with all in order for when you actually get that meeting. Well, John Sarasani, brother, we appreciate you being on the J. Mamie Talk Show. Uh, you've been a, a wealth of information. Folks, you can track John down uh, by, the, by his Instagram, or you can go to LinkedIn. He's on LinkedIn as well, Glenn Crest Global. He's the founder and CEO of that incredible venture capitalist firm. John, appreciate you being on the show. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Jay. Folks, we'll be right back after the break. Your passion is your business, not the tech. Union handles all of this for you so you can focus on what you love. Give us 15 minutes and you'll get mobile ordering, loyalty, scheduling payment processing, and more at no cost to you. Take the Union Challenge for free and see how much more money you'll put in your pocket with our solution. Go to jointheunion.com to get started now. That's join the Y-O-U-N-I-O-N. JoinTheUnion.com So you've built a successful business? Now what? Transform your successful business into a valuable business. That's where Dumont Capital Partners comes in. We've built a step-by-step process designed to drive up your business's value and give you back control over your time. Whether you want to sell for a premium or just know that you could, Dumont Capital Partners will give you the life and business you deserve. Contact us at ValueBuilderUS.com that's the ValueBuilderUS.com. A 
Are your sales lagging? Are you frustrated with your ability to effectively communicate the goodness of your product or service? Could your income greatly benefit from you getting better at selling? Hi, this is Jay Mamie, the host of the Jay Mamie Talk Show and the curator of the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. I want you to know that there are answers on how you can get better at the skill of selling. Go to my course, the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. Get the answers you need so you can experience the results you want. Thrive Sales Mastery. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. On the line right now, I'm excited about our business spotlight. I always enjoy speaking to those that are innovative and creative and are bringing brand new ideas to the marketplace. That's how you get a spot here on the Jay Mamie Talk Show as a business spotlight. And that's why I'm excited about Guy Munier. Guy Munier is not only the CEO of Aptivio, but it's the number one augmented sales intelligence app. And the more I've got a chance to, the more I had a chance to speak with him and realize the value he's bringing to the marketplace, the more I thought to myself, wow, we need to hear from him on the show. So he's joining us today. Guy, welcome to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Yes, thank you for having me. Guy, before we dive into all of the goodness that you are doing at Aptivio, I'd like for, for you first to kind of get us up to speed a little bit on your story. Well, uh, as you may have noticed from my name, uh, I'm originally from France. Mm -hmm. uh, I studied engineering there. Uh, I actually came to the U.S. in uh, in 95 uh, for a Ph.D. in uh, mathematics, which I ended up uh, dropping out of. Um, I became um, an entrepreneur in uh, in tech uh, in 2007, almost by accident. Uh, worked on a big data project, uh, large uh, company uh, that eventually um, became a separate company and ultimately acquired by Upland Software mm -hmm. uh, recently. Um, also worked on a a fintech company in New York, uh, that didn't go too well. Uh, the focus on, on KYC, know your customer, it's a big requirement for banks, uh, but integrating uh, into bank infrastructure was really, really tough. Um, and uh, so, so I ended up selling the assets of that company. Um, and then, you know, fast forward to Atelio in, in 2018. So as you mentioned, you know, AI platform focused on automating lead generation. Um, my co-founder and I really believe that AI uh, is here to stay and will fundamentally transform the way uh, you know salespeople can find qualified leads and and connect with decision makers. You know, I'm glad you said that AI is here to stay, uh, guy, because our featured guest who was just on before you, were, we were talking, he's a venture capitalist, he owns a venture capitalist company, and we were talking about industries of the future and things that that, that as a as a VC would have an interest in exploring. And uh, he also mentioned uh, AI technology. So uh, obviously you guys are on the forefront of that. So uh, I'm, I'm glad you've mentioned that. But what inspired you to launch Aptivio? Well, actually, to, 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 to your point, you know, you, you're seeing a lot of acceleration in, in digital transformation, right, especially in business services. Mm -hmm. um, and you see increasing competition. You see you know, the volatility of the, the way you know, our clients behave. Uh, and they have so much choice. Um, and so as a, as a B2B seller, right, you need to stay on top of your game, right? You need to be on top of what's happening 24-7. So, for example, 
you know, can I be um, first at detecting if a coin is buying, mm -hmm. right? Ahead, certainly ahead of my competition. Um, how do I respond when I detect an interest buyers, right? In, in real time, how do I um, personalize any message that I send to a client? But um, across all the clients that I'm reaching out, whether it's cold prospecting or, or uh, someone I'm trying to close, and then how do I leverage warm intros for my network in a very systematic fashion, not just you know random ad hoc. Uh, so all these things is um, things that AI can help you accelerate on. Uh, you can almost think of it as a superpower, mm -hmm. um, a co-pilot, right, if you will, and very soon something that you won't be able to live without it, right? So without it, you'll be at a competitive disadvantage uh, with your peers. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because. If you're not taking advantage of technology as a company, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, the chances of you being competitive are going to be very, very slim as we're moving into the future of, you know, this uh, AI technology and in your case, lead generation and so on. But to what detriment, to what detriment can someone who is not using this type of technology find themselves in? Well, I mean, the, you know, if you're not, uh, using this kind of technology, then what, what ends up happening is um, you're not seeing all the opportunity uh, blind spot mm. uh, that you should be able to, to detect. So, for example, if there is um, a client that's actively researching a solution that matches what you do, right, your competitors will get there first, right? If someone in your network could have helped influence an account and actually help you win it, as opposed to to lose it, right? You're not you're gonna you're not gonna be able to take advantage of that woman show because maybe you were not aware that this person knew this um, some of the key decision makers in your account. So it's all about you know making sure that you have really an extended uh, view of of where your opportunity is and 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 remove any blind spot uh, that to to capture that opportunity. Yeah, absolute brilliant point. Guy, you made a brilliant point. It's about leveraging technology so that you don't miss the blind spots because ultimately you can't capture. And if you're in business, if you're in sales, you, you want to capture activity. You want to capture opportunity. That's what it's all about. But you cannot capture what you don't see, right? You can't. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So that's absolutely. why, yeah, that's, that's why I believe this style of technology allows business owners that are that are really cutting edge to capture as much activity as they can and uh, and then be mindful of those blind spots beautiful beautiful guy who benefits from aptivio so the, the the usual suspects right you would you would see sales and marketing uh, teams mm -hmm. right uh le leverage ai for for lead gen um you know the, the the things they're looking for right to achieve uh is one um you know finding leads that are most likely to convert Right? I mean, cold prospecting is really hard. Uh, uh, focusing on the right leads is, is really the key. Uh, connecting with the relevant buyers. We discussed, you know, uh, any warm intros, any personalized campaigns you can help me run with with AI uh, at scale, right? Um, helps me accelerate um, my, my connection to, to the relevant decision makers. And then also, and that's particularly important for chief revenue officers, chief sales officers, uh, just a, a better understanding of uh, prediction of revenue outcomes. You know, help me understand if you think I'm going to win or if you think I'm going to lose and this is a wasteful pursuit, 
right? So I can focus on the, the, the opportunities that have a better chance to, uh, to close. So uh, AI can actually give you some, some pretty cold, accurate um, expectation setting uh, and, and early warnings as well so that you, uh, you, you take those recommendations into account. You know, not everything is for everyone, right? So while we're, we're talking about the benefits, uh, who can benefit from Aptivio, let's go on the flip side, though, Guy. Who is this not for? Well, it's, it's a B2B technology, so it's not for uh, B2C uh, or retail uh, markets. Um, it, it's also uh, designed to help accelerate your go-to market. So it goes without saying, but if you're in a process of like, defining your go-to market as an early stage you know, a company, you're not going to be a fit. Fundamentally, you know, we go after companies that already have sales and marketing infrastructure, and they're growing uh, fast, either as a small or mid-sized enterprise or a business unit of a large, uh, of a large corporate. So I know that the reason why businesses begin, especially app-driven businesses, they are designed to solve a problem, and that's why as consumers, we use them, right? We've got a problem, we've got a challenge. We use that technology to help with our our challenges. What challenges or, or what problems? As my business listening audience is now probably intrigued, they're probably wondering, okay, so what problem does it solve that I may have? If you could answer that, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean the, you know, fundamentally, um, as I mentioned, lead gen is hard, and you've seen uh, the ROI of lead gen effort actually mm-hmm. diminish as as competition increases and and, and noise in the market and, and the ability to. Uh, differentiate, you know, it becomes harder and harder. So um, fundamentally, you know, the, uh, we address the struggle with lead gen effort and the ability to connect really effectively with your decision makers. So I'll share, you know, just one, um, one quick example. So we work with a large um, IT services firm, right? They're launching a whole set of new digital services. Uh, they have an existing client base uh, large you know, Fortune 500 clients, so that's great. You know, they 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 have access to these accounts. The problem is those are brand new offering, uh, so they don't know who the people are in charge of buying the digital innovation, um, digital transformation offerings. So they need um, a solution that can help them map out the pain point of a client. So what are my clients searching on the internet? Uh, for uh, are they interested in cloud? Are they interested in 5G? Are they interested in connected devices? So mapping out right, uh, those needs using AI uh, is one problem we help them solve. The second is help me understand who the interested decision makers are. You know, I mm-hmm. might know a whole bunch of people already in our organization, but they're more in the back office type. Uh, projects. That's where that's where I've traditionally worked, right? In the back office, IT staffing. Now, help me understand who these new decision makers are uh, for digital innovation, and help me understand who in my existing network, right, of, of people in that company uh, can actually help me effectively connect with those new with those new buyers. So that's where we help them uh, really specifically with our AI platform. Now, do you use your own product? And I, I don't mean to. To put you on a spot here, but but obviously you're in sales too, um, and you're capturing leads. Are, are do you use your own product? 
Yes, as a matter of fact, we do. Uh, you know, we find, uh, uh, you know, we, 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 we proud ourselves to be uh, uh, actually the, our best customer. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, the first, I mean, we, we feed our, our ideal customer profile. I mean, we're a fast-growing uh, SME. Uh, we have a very similar sales and marketing organization and tech stack than, than some of our customers would have. Um, our internal views um, and the return on experience in it um, actually makes for the best demo to clients because you know, nothing beats a salesperson or an organization showing another salesperson you know, how they're using a the product to to, to win business, right? I mean, there's nothing more effective uh, in a demo than showing that. And lastly, you know, the internal team, and that's a product team speaking, you know, is is use a bit of a guinea pig. You know, whenever we introduce a new feature, uh, we make sure they, they beta test those new features before mm -hmm. they, go, uh, they go to the general public. So I'm glad that you are not only just uh talking to talk, uh, but you're walking to walk as well. That's very, very important. In our last minute here, Guy, how does it work? If we've got a business listener right now and they're wondering, okay, what's the next step? How does it work? What would you say to them? Well, I mean, it's uh, the technology itself, right, is um, it, it's an AI engine. Um, you know, it, it's patent pending. So there's a lot of um, – um, you know, fancy uh, technology that goes on uh, behind the scene, right, to, to, to make this work. But the good news is that it's packaged as a cloud service. Mm -hmm. So really, it's extremely easy to set up and to use. Uh, we, we actually package it in a way um, that you can sign up online, mm -hmm. uh, at forward slash sign up. You will spend about 30 minutes um, uh, you know, onboarding wizard to, to explain who, what your go-to market is, so who do you compete with, what do you sell, who do you partner with, what's your ideal uh, buyer persona um, that you go after. Uh, and from that input, uh, we're able to generate within 48 hours of, of pretty intense uh, data processing. You're, you're talking uh, a trillion data points, literally, of, mm. of, of data processing, um, an actual market snapshot. Wow. Sell it to your market, and you'll see um, a whole bunch of sales radio opportunities. Um, some of them will already be in your pipeline, right? Which proves that the engine is is working and working uh, correctly. Uh, but then uh, you'll see a bunch of them that are hidden, and so that's the aha moments for for our clients. And of course, you know, they, they then they start running uh, outreach right to uh, to to win that business. Well, Guy Munir, we appreciate you being on the show. You're the CEO of Optivio, and I'm, I've got a feeling that you're going to hear a lot from our listeners who are interested not only in, in capturing those sales uh, lead generations, but also being able to take their business to the next level. Appreciate you being on the show, my friend. Thank you for having me. Folks, we'll be right back after the break. Are you having a hard time finding commercial funding? Is this challenge stalling your business goals and dreams? At JRF Financial, we specialize in getting your commercial funding and challenges resolved because we work with the largest SBA lender in the country. We work with over 33 different types of alternative lending and can fund anything from equipment to real estate. So don't let funding challenges stop you. Call JRF Financial at 844-484-6248 or visit us at jrffinancial.org. Have you gotten behind on your personal or payroll taxes due to COVID-19? I'm Adam Cohen, Tax Resolution Manager at Jack Lauderman CPA. 
the collection arm of the IRS has resumed enforcement action. You may have received demand letters threatening liens or levies. Our firm specializes in resolving complex tax problems. There are options available. Go to txcpaoffice.com and schedule a free, no-obligation consultation. That's txcpaoffice.com. Tom Sheehan here. I founded Union out of anger after witnessing the mistreatment of local small businesses that had served my, for many years, my Chicago neighborhood before the pandemic. These great businesses had never needed tech and were forced to close their doors because they had no digital solutions to service their customers. Truth is, big tech promises returns with no solutions for small business owners. We created the union's digital platform to fill that void for small business. No promises just results in more money in your pocket. It's so simple, you can be up and running in 15 minutes. We don't charge businesses a penny for a web store or a mobile app that allows you to serve your customers the way they want to buy from you on their phones. Your customers will pay less, business owners will make more, and the money stays local. For listeners of the show, we're offering a free business course to make it even easier to go digital. Get started now at jointheunion.com. That's join the y-o-u-n-i-o-n.com slash jmamie. Jointheunion.com slash jmamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. In our final stretch here for today's amazing show, I want to bring back our national sponsor, JRF Financial, because in our last two episodes, they've done such a fantastic job in layering the story of the, of the work that they do to empower businesses to find the funding they need in order to succeed. And today we're going to talk about case studies. We're going to dive into the weeds of actual case studies that these two incredible gentlemen, Justin Fry and Eric Gooden, co-founders of JRFF, that they're working on particular cases right now, helping these individuals fund their dreams. You might relate to them. You probably will resonate with what they're currently doing. And if this is you, I want you to reach out to them because they might very well be able to help you too. But I want to open up by having Eric Gooden share with us how he is helping the veteran community right now. There are many veterans that are starting their own businesses. They are taking an entrepreneurial journey. And uh, you know that journey oftentimes needs funding. And uh, Eric is specializing in helping veterans find the funding that they need to, to realize their dreams. So Eric, good welcome back to the show, brother. Well, thank you for having me. Um, we are currently working on a couple of deals right now with veterans. Um, veterans have a very special place in my heart because I am a veteran myself. Mm -hmm. uh, one, one thing that we do for veterans is uh, when they call, I normally talk to them because I can relate to them better. Uh, there are a lot of programs out there for veterans. Some they may be aware of and some that they may not be aware of. So it's my job to make sure that they understand each program and fit them in the right program for what they're trying to get funded. What is probably the biggest hurdle you find as you're working on some cases that a veteran stumbles across um, that, that handicaps their, their ability to get funding? Well, one thing that, that the veteran needs to do is to make sure that he also has already verified his veteran's um, status. That's very important to make sure you've already verified your veteran status. Mm -hmm. If not, that can hold it up. And mm -hmm. also, making sure that your credit is at least uh, mid 600 
uh, that gives me a good starting point to uh, get you a great grade. Now, is there a particular case that you're working on? I know you've got a ton of cases you're working on, but if you could give us just one case or one veteran situation you're working on right now that might resonate with someone else listening to the show. Yes. So remember this. Um, when you call in any lender, uh, that's going to be a list that's going to be given to you, and especially for the veteran community. Make sure that you fill this out thoroughly. And do not leave any details out. Uh, even if you tell me the time and service and you haven't verified it, I can, I can find a way to get it verified for you. But I just need to have all that information because if you don't give it to me, then I can't disseminate it to the, through the process. Okay, well, that's very good advice. I want to bring on Justin Fry. Justin, I know you work with everybody in terms of helping them also find funding. And you've had tremendous amount of success doing that. So can you share with us a couple of your recent case studies that can help our audience extend, uh, understand rather the value that you bring to the marketplace? Yes, sir, would love to. Thank you for having us again. And uh, I'll get right to it because I know everybody's time is, is precious. And I thank everybody for listening and that's reached out to us since uh, we've become a national sponsor of the show. So one of the, the first people that we helped is a, a gentleman who had been doing some, uh, some commercial real estate funding, um, but he had been doing it from a, a personal side. So that was the first area that we were really able to help him in was he did not know or realize that even with buying and fixing up single family residences, that that could still be considered commercial funding. He thought he had to do it all under his own social security number, mm. which obviously, you know, affected your debt to income ratio and your score and, and all kinds of things. But people don't think commercial funding, they think of, you know, big office buildings and uh, you know, big strip malls, things like that. They don't think of these people that either cash flow homes or buy, fix and flip them and sell them. Anything that you are not actually occupying yourself or living in is considered a commercial property. So you can get commercial funding in your business's name and EIN that won't affect your personal credit. And it does two things. Number one, like I said, it keeps your personal credit protected. But here's the big thing for a lot of investors or or people that want funding and especially in the commercial real estate world to know and that is it gives you that corporate veil of protection see if you have it under your personal and anything that god forbid ever happens and someone gets hurt on the property and sues you they, they can take your properties but if you keep it under your business name and have a different llc for each property worst case scenario they can take that one property but not your entire you know, portfolio. So it's not gonna, you're not gonna go broke basically by protecting yourself that way. Plus, like I said, you're protecting your personal credit and you're funding it in true business corporate fashion. So we had that gentleman that we educated all that on and got two different homes for him um, purchased and funding for his rehab, which is fixing it up so that he could turn around and flip them for a profit all in his business name. So that was one that we we helped. And another one was a lady who, she's a licensed real estate agent. And again, didn't realize 
that a single family residence was considered you know corporate funding or commercial funding so we educated her on that instance as well and here's here's the big caveat to that we also helped because the property she was looking at was actually a short sale and i like to tell anyone looking into those because they think they're going to get a great deal yes there's the possibility that you can get a great deal on it but realize that the name is very deceiving because it is not a short process, even though it's called a short sale. There's a lot that has to go into that um, between the back and forth before you can even get funding. I mean, because you have to have the appraisals done, but then the biggest thing is you have to negotiate a price with the bank because they're the mm -hmm. ones that are selling it in a short sale and get that approved before we can ever go to the lender for an amount. So that's that's the first step with that. But we were able to work with this lady and help her. Uh, and, you know, it took a while. I mean, it took a good six, seven months from start to finish, which normally a commercial real estate deal can happen in as quick as 30 to 45 days, if not sooner. So because of that short sale and all the back and forth, it was a prolonged process. But in the end, like I said, we were able to help her and navigate the whole circumstances for her and get her funding on it. So those were the two most recent cases where we were able to not only facilitate the funding, but again, the main thing that we like to do at JRF is the education piece to make sure that not only are we getting you the best and cheapest cost of capital for you, but you're truly understanding what, what you're doing and what commercial funding does for you, whether it's commercial real estate, whether it's equipment funding, uh, the veterans that Eric works with, SBAs, any type of commercial funding, that's our main job first, is to educate you, make sure you understand the full circumstances of the situation before we ever move forward with getting you funding. Mm -hmm. But then we're able to help you and get the funding and you know everybody's happy. So, uh, Justin, in our last minute here, you brought up a, a question, not, not a question, you brought up a, a topic that I think is important or, or something that I think probably is being asked by a lot of our listeners. Can someone, and I know this is probably a loaded question and it's not fair to ask with just about a minute left, uh, but I have to ask, if someone doesn't have an EIN number and they want to uh, buy commercial uh, a, a, a property uh, for commercial use, but they don't have an EIN. They apply for an EIN for under a business. That business doesn't have any assets. There's no there's no credit history to that brand new business. Um, how could they or can they apply for funding under a brand new EIN under a brand new business? They most certainly can. And and the, there's a few different ways to do that. But in this last minute, the, the easiest and again, most economical for them is going to be with one of our preferred SBA lenders. They are specifically set up a majority to help startups uh, and small businesses. So that would always be our first look or go to. And if for some reason they wouldn't qualify for an SBA, there are some other options. But that's going to be the, like I said, in a minute, that's the quickest, easiest, easiest route to go. 
Well, Justin, you are a wealth of information. That's why you are a national sponsor. You and Eric are doing great things for people through JRF Financial. We appreciate you being on the show yet again, bringing more value. And folks, that wraps up our show for this week. Another fantastic episode of the J Baby Talk Show, bringing thrive-minded content yet again. We'll catch you back here next week. Until then, keep thriving.